Why don't you be seated? And let's just remain sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. <clears throat> you know, I do, uh, I think it's important to take the time to really prepare well. I just think prayer has a deeper place than even preparation. They both go hand in hand. Uh, but I've I have spent a good deal of time just praying over um, today. We've got teams of people who have spent a great deal of time just praying into the morning. And one of the things that it's been so clear uh, that the Lord has spoken, you can turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2, by the way. We'll get there in just a few moments. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that the Lord has spoken about today is that he's going to reach in to the inner complexity of hopelessness and address these deeper mechanisms within us that many of us don't even realize are contributing to a mindset that's void of expectation and faith. I'm going to say it again. I want you to, I said it at our 7 a.m. sunrise, um, just shared this, and I later had people come up and say, can you say that again? I want to write that down, and I would encourage you um, you'll find it on our blog, by the way. Uh, it's, it's in there. But let's really give attention to this. This is important. This is central to what I believe everything the Lord wants to reveal to us. God is reaching into the inner complexities of hopelessness to awaken something within us that reaches in those deeper places than most of us even realize exist that would keep us from an attitude of expectation, from an attitude of faith. Hope is not a principle that I can talk to you about. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus. <clears throat> and when he is alive within us, things begin to change. And religion is dead. <laughs> we don't want that. Uh, we live in a society where that's very much uh, celebrated and, and monetized. And, um, you know, we're just sorting through how to walk beyond all of that. And uh, church, you know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We understand the gathering is an important part of that. We've just unfortunately created such a celebrity culture in the church that it's produced a bunch of consumers rather than true disciples who are hungry for the deeper things of God. And God's changing rooms full of consumers who love listening to a minister to become rooms full of ministers who love listening to God. Come on, he's taking us into these deeper places. And so I just believe the Lord's inviting us into a deeper place of hope and expectation that the best is yet to come. <laughs> the best is yet to come. So thank you so much for being here. It's great to see you. Um, Happy Resurrection Day. Jesus is alive. So glad to have our uh, online family uh, joining us online. And um, I just want to say, looking forward this week to being in New York with the Destiny Table New York and our worship night there this Friday night. And uh, I would just invite those of us in the room, can you help me? Let's truly welcome our online family and online community this morning. So glad you're with us. Happy Resurrection Day. So God is at work 
and Jesus is alive. God is at work, and Jesus is alive. I have figured out in my own life, in the, the years that I've lived, that God is at work whenever I don't even realize God is at work. Like, he's always at work. Even when, like, you feel like he's silent, he's mightily at work no matter what the circumstances may be. And so I want to just inspire that thinking and that understanding today. I want you to think with me for just a moment about a single person in your life who you would define as the person who brings out the best in you. You know, just for me, I have thought about this this week, obviously praying into the morning, and I thought of an individual, and I thought, this person makes me want to be a better man. When I'm around this person, I just want to be a better person. I want to be a better husband to my wife, a better father to my children. I want to just be a better Christian, a servant of the Lord. When I'm around this person, they inspire me to a deeper place of, of really exploring and understanding my God-appointed design. So who is that one person for you? Think about that person in your life. You probably can think of somebody who brings out the worst in you. Let's not go there today. <clears throat> we'll, we'll talk about that maybe uh, in a couple of weeks. But the person who brings out the best in you. And the thing that I just want you to know, we're not here, again, to sing about Jesus. We're to, here to sing and exchange with him. We're not here to hear about uh, the Lord, we're here to exchange and listen to him. The Bible actually says, and I doubt many, uh, many preachers bring this verse up, especially on an Easter Sunday morning, but the Bible actually says in 1 John 2, you don't need a man to teach you. That's crazy. Like, why are we here? And it's because it's not about any man on the planet. <laughs> What that verse is saying is you don't need a man to teach you, you need the anointing to teach you. And again, that's why all of us need to be prayerful in the pursuit of the presence of God. And if what I have to say is only human wisdom, then it's of no value at all. Paul actually said, I didn't come and preach words of human wisdom, but I came bringing a demonstration of power. And let me just assure you of this one thing. We understand what it is to declare words that release something to the atmosphere that release the power of God in such a way that the atmosphere begins to shift and something in our lives begins to change. That is the authority of God released in the humility of humanity in the earth when we follow the example of Jesus Christ. And right now, there's some things shifting in our lives. You believe that? See, there's such, an, such a, a deep inner sense of complexity of hopelessness, even in the way we've gathered as the church, that when I'm talking on that measure of what God's desiring, it's almost hard to make the jump. But I'm just saying, God is raising this up once again in the body of Christ. Be prepared for what God is about to do in the body of Christ. We are the sons and daughters of God, and he wants to awaken that within us. No matter who you can think of that would bring out the best in you, they pale in comparison to how Jesus brings out the best in you when you learn to walk with him like you really are designed by God to walk with him. So learning to be aware of his presence and walk with him will make you want to be a better person, will make you want to be a better friend to others. It'll make you just want to be better in every single way. It's just the nature of God revealed in Christ that draws something out of us in such a profound and significant way. And so I want us to see this. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. And as we read this, I want you to re recognize in reading these verses of Scripture, what first we're going to read about is the experience we're designed to have. 
And then it will lead to the expression we're designed to produce. Experience always produces expression. Experience always produces expression. And so if you don't like the expression of your life, what you have to do is address something deeper than the behavior that you can see because there's something deeper producing the behavior. What you're experiencing internally actually produces the expression of that which is visible. And so there's something deeper God's always working with. And as, we, as we're looking at these verses in Philippians 2 and we read these, I want to just challenge you that, to understand with God, because these are challenging verses of Scripture we're going to look at. With God, instruction comes with guidance. It's a beautiful thing. He doesn't just give us instruction and direction. He, he like comes alongside us and helps us walk this out. And we need to understand that's really, um, really what we're supposed to be experiencing when we're in the Word and in the presence of the Lord. He brings His Word to pass. That means He awakens it within us and it produces something from us. And the world around us begins to experience more of the nature of God as a result. It's a beautiful thing, this Christianity, isn't it? When it's done from the perspective of a risen Savior, it's amazing what our faith is actually designed by God to do and to bring into our world. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, if any, sorry, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, anybody here accepted Christ before? Is there any encouragement in your life from being united with Christ? I mean, in my life, I walked out of the bondage of drugs and nonsense lifestyle that I was involved in as a young adult. And when I came to know the Lord, I was so completely liberated. I mean, it was just amazing to me, the encouragement that existed within me that I didn't even know I could ever have. I remember a man in our church, his name was Harold Sanders, and he's gone on now to be with the Lord. And he was, uh, he was in his 60s, and, and, and his wife had been praying for him for a long, long time in the church. And, and he came to church for some event Sunday, and that morning he gave his life to Christ. He heard the gospel, and he gave his life to Christ. And two weeks later he came to me, and he said, Pastor, when I was sitting in that church service, and I decided that I was going to stop withholding my heart from God, and I gave my heart to him. He said, there was this weight that I had lived with and that I thought was normal that suddenly was gone. And he said, as I walked out of the building that day, I realized that weight is no longer here. And he said, I was driving home thinking, I'm sure it's going to come back. It's what I've known as my life. And he said, I'm just telling you, it never came back. I just really sense the Lord is saying some of us in this room have been withholding our heart from God. And when you withhold your heart from God, there becomes a weight that exists in your life that the Lord doesn't want you to have to live under. So, Father, I just pray before we continue reading in your word. Capture our hearts, Lord. We have all kinds of reasons for all kinds of conclusions that we have drawn. And if any of our conclusions have been the result of withholding our heart from you, Lord, would you awaken a greater freedom deep within us today as we surrender our heart completely and we say, Lord, would you define us 
by your love, by your life, more than anything else. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Philippians 2, 1 and following. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, this is the experiential disposition I'm talking about, any comfort you've experienced from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Here comes the expression, by being like-minded. That which you've experienced, now begin to express. Be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Boy, this is hard. This is hard. But he's here not only to instruct us, but then to walk with us, offering guidance to help us get there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is verse 3. But rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Verse 4. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, (laughs) have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Man, that is such a kingpin challenge. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I mean, how simple is that? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That means I'm going to have to die if I'm going to choose to live. You can't withhold your heart from God and think you're going to live. You're only merely existing, and it's going to be disappointing. You've got to let that go. Give your heart to him. Die to yourself. Die to your desires. Die to your conclusions. Die to your decisions. Because Jesus demonstrated that in this world, we find life only through death. And once we experience death, then we find life. I had to give up choices I was making in my life to withhold my heart from God, to find other things to put on the throne uh, of Jesus that exists within my lives, in my life. And we've talked in recent weeks about this. Most of us don't deny Christ, but we dethrone Christ because we let other stuff get in the center of our lives. Why don't we just agree together? Let's clap our hands and just break that right now in Jesus' mighty name. We break distraction, that distraction in our lives. And I think the Lord's just asking, can I get back into the center where you will be at your best when you allow me to be at the center of your life? I mean, there's so many things that can invade that center part of our lives. And we just marginalize scripture. We marginalize church, the gathering. I, I understand we've, church has become something that, you know, is, is so difficult and complicated and multi-layered. And, and, and I have conversations all the, pe- all the time with people who say, you know, organize religion. It's just not for me. And, and, and whenever they say that to me, I say, I know organized religion is just not for me either. I endure it because I love Jesus. That's why I do it. Like we're God's family. And if you d- say that you want to love me, but you don't want to have anything to do with my family, our relationship is severely limited. 
So again, we don't have it together. We got issues. But how many of you know when you find yourself in the space where something is demanded of you to love, then actually something within you gets deepened as that love then is required and you start to move forward and become more like Jesus. Have this same attitude that existed within Jesus within you. Love people who don't deserve it. Help them become better even though they aren't going to be you know, loving back to you. It's easy to give people kindness when they're kind to you, but when they're unkind to you. You have to give them what Jesus gave you instead. That's the attitude of Christ that we're supposed to learn to live with. So this experience in our lives produces expression of who we are. And if you've decided that God is mad, then you're given to angry religion. And I just want you to know God's not mad. We are in a dispensation of grace, and he's come to invite us in, and he's not mad at you. He's mad about you, and he loves you so much that he sent his son to receive you into the kingdom of God. If you're willing to allow him to have his way and stop withholding your heart from him, and every one of us have the ability to withhold our hearts from God, every one of us, no matter where we are in this journey of faith. But if you've come to the place of experiencing the loving, gracious nature of this king of kings who gave his life, then the expression of your life becomes the result of a transformed heart from his love, from his grace. And it begins to transform not only your heart, it transforms your home. It'll transform your legacy, the heritage of your life. People will begin to know. It's the kindness of the Lord you got to understand this, because I know I'm, I'm tampering with what is confusing today in the world that we live in. There's, there's a hyper-grace uh, conversation going on in the church, but it's the kindness of the Lord that leads you to repentance. So grace isn't here to enable you to do whatever you want to do. Grace is here to rescue you from anything you've ever done. And lead you to a place of understanding the truth of God's word is something we must never compromise. No matter how we feel about it or what we think about it, we come back to the truth of his word and we honor him. And in doing so, he begins to awaken the deeper eternal purposes of God that he planted there in the first place. Most of us don't deny him. We just dethrone him. Because we allow other things to invade our heart and we start withholding those chambers, those places from our Father with whom we were designed actually to have this interaction with. So whatever's taking place in your heart, I'll guarantee is setting the tone for your life. I want to just demonstrate this because both bad or good, this can be the case. It's just the process of becoming and it's what we are uh, starting to focus in on in this particular season uh, of you know, weeks, we're just going to engage in this idea of algorithm and what that really looks like in terms of the natural tendencies of our lives and where those come from. So I'm just tampering with and exposing just a little bit of this, but, but recognize this because good or bad, what's taking place in your heart sets the tone for your life. If children live in the atmosphere of criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live in the atmosphere of hostility, they learn to fight. If they live in the atmosphere of ridicule, they'll learn to feel shy. If they live in an atmosphere of shame, they'll learn to feel guilty. The amazing news is that God can transform us with the right 
atmosphere because if children process the atmosphere of praise, they'll learn appreciation. If they live in an atmosphere of acceptance, they'll learn love. If they live in an atmosphere of sharing, they'll learn generosity. And if they live in an atmosphere of encouragement, they'll learn confidence. And it's a great depiction for all of us to understand that what you're experiencing in terms of the atmosphere of your life is producing the expression of who you are. The person you are becoming is the result of the experience that you're having, and you're designed by God to have a deep, meaningful experience with Him as your primary experience in life. He's inviting us to live in this place of deep awareness of His presence as our way of life, and He is here right now. You're not just hearing the sound of my voice. You are actually hearing three voices right now. You're hearing the sound of my voice. You're hearing the sound of your voice. And you're hearing the sound of God's voice. And I just say, pay attention more than anything to the sound of God's voice. An illustration, an analogy, something hits and something begins to erupt within you. You don't need a man to teach you. You need the anointing to break every yoke of bondage off of your life. And that voice awakens within you to make you more of who he's called you to become. He will bring out the best in you. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but as many as received him, have you stopped withholding your heart and received Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? It's a very important question for me to ask today. But as many as have received him, to them, I want you to catch it, he gave the power to become. The power to become. The sons, and, uh, the sons of God or the sons and daughters of God, even to them that believed on his name, you have been given the power to become as a part of your God-given design. And if you process the wrong things, you will produce the wrong result. And if you experience the wrong atmosphere and you do not embrace God's truth, you will express something contrary to the nature of God and a direct violation of the very design God has given you in your own life. The power to become exists within you, and we're all becoming something more. We're all on this journey of becoming a more exaggerated version of ourselves. I've watched it over the years where happy people have become happier. Sad people have become sadder. Crazy people. Some of you are in here. To become crazier. What you think about really matters. So think about what you think about. What you think about really matters. So think about what you think about. We're all in the process of becoming, and what we process determines who we become. It's an important statement. We are, you're this God-given design. We're all in the process of becoming. Maybe some people are here today, you're listening to this, and you're, you're thinking about, you know, how did I get where I am? Anyone ever asked that question? Or how did I ever get here? How did I ever become this? I didn't 
start out on the journey thinking this is where I would be. I mean, we've been here now serving for 32 years. We've got a church here. We've got a school here. We've worked with lots of people in lots of directions. And I watch these individuals coming through the process of years in the process of becoming. And I see them full of aspiration in their youth. And then I see them sometimes not making the right decisions, becoming something they never even thought that they would ever become and sometimes I see them making the right decisions and they become more than they ever dreamed they would become. God has an amazing plan for your life and if you will process the right things, it'll blow your mind what he has in store for your future. The best is yet to come. This is the idea of algorithms. In the natural, these are predictable rhythms of your behaviors. Your browsing habits are monitored. Your browse, this is an important part of our conversation in the world that we live in today. You need to pay attention to this. This little apparatus that you can quietly take into isolated spaces has the power to absolutely ruin your life and legacy. It's crazy, but your browsing habits are not only monitored, they're monetized. It's the world we live in today. When you watch something, when you read something, when you put something in your shopping cart, when you trigger point something, we call it clickbait in the world that we live in, constantly trying to, to bait you to click something. You're, you're doing something and your phone lights up. Somebody has, has sent a signal, a message, liked something. You immediately are grabbing your phone. You're constantly going. What's getting your attention to open that is being monitored and it's being monetized. That means that there is this whole industry that goes into the understanding and comprehension of what it is that... Uh, that captures your attention, and in capturing your attention, they then draw in your affection, and they begin to take control, helping you become the person they want you to become. I know, conspiracy. It's all conspiracy theory. You're crazy. Has anyone ever just talked about, like, man, one day I'm going to buy something, and then all of a sudden it shows up like in ads on your phone or computer? Has this happened to anybody? Say amen if this has happened to you. I mean, you understand. Call me conspiracy theorists if you want, but there is adequate information out there and proof that what I'm saying is absolutely true. Algorithms. In fact, one study showed there were 9,000 researchers proved 9,000 Android apps that secretly record smartphone activity and provide that information to third-party industry so that they can reach you in their marketing efforts. Your your, what you're looking at and what you're paying attention to is being monitored and being monetized. And, the, and this industry that exists around you is 
capturing your attention to cause you to become the person they want you to become. But Jesus is trying to draw your attention to him, to capture your attention, and then gain your affection. He doesn't just want your attention. He wants your affection. And when you give your attention and you give your affection to him, you then become the person God designed you to become. And that is what I want you to understand today. In the day we live in more than ever, Proverbs 4.23 is a vitally important reality and truth for us. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. People will say, well, it's just in my heart. It's just in my heart. I just, it's in my heart to do this. It's just in my heart to do that. Just so full of, you know, this is in my heart. How can you tell me this is, you know, this is in my heart? Of course it is. What you think about matters, so think about what you think about because that will get in your heart and you'll justify your behavior and you'll feel right about it, but it won't be right. The Bible is very clear about this. There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end, it leads to destruction. We justify it every step of the way because it's just in my heart. From the heart come the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and from the heart come the issues of life. It's just what the Bible says. How many of you in this room have issues? Can I just see if you have issues? Point to somebody who has issues. Just go ahead. We got them. (laughs) Where did you get your issues? They all came from the same place. They didn't come from the, the person in my life who molested me as a child, I didn't get my issues from that, that woman. I got my issues from my own heart because how I managed that travesty that happened to me as a child determined whether or not I would survive it, whether or not I would succeed in it, whether or not I would rise above it. And I just say no situation that has happened to any person in this room or with us online today has the power to take control of your life if you will stop withholding your heart from him. Process what he wants you to process. I was going to try not to be too preachy today. I I was just going to say, happy Easter, everybody. Jesus is alive. I'm so glad you're here. Get a nice picture with the bunny outside. Hope you'll be back. I just want you to know, Jesus died an agonizing death, and I'm not here to promote patty cake Christianity in any way. He died so that we might know life and help others to discover life. And there's a price to pay. Don't you think for a second that that your best life in this world is God's primary concern because his primary concern is the kingdom of God that requires sacrifice in order to advance. And sometimes your best life is not actually going to be what you're going to get in some moment in time. And if you don't understand this truth and this reality, you're going to be mad at God and you're going to act like a spoiled brat who didn't get his way or didn't get her way. And so now you're mad at God. I don't understand what happens in this world sometimes time, but I do know this. We live in a fallen world, but honey, we serve a risen king, and he's here to walk us through every difficult situation we will ever face. Come on, somebody shout! (laughs) 
Hope is not a principle. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ, and he brings out the best within you, filling you with expectation. The best is yet to come. A man posted on social media recently, what is your greatest hope of heaven? I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come. What is your greatest hope of heaven? He got crazy amount of responses. I was blown away. I'm going to read just a few of these responses. What is your greatest hope of heaven? My sister cannot walk. She cannot talk. She's severely handicapped. We have a special bond. And one day in heaven, we're going to have long conversations filled with joy and happiness. For the very first time, we're going to dance together. Can I tell you the best is yet to come? The best is yet to come in what God has purposed for your life, but it's more than about this life. It's about eternity. Another person wrote, I can't wait to see my sweet baby boy, David. He died at just eight months old. I want to see what it's been like for him to grow up in heaven. And I want to have him personally introduce me to our Savior, who we continued to serve, even through the pain of losing a child. I look forward, another one said, I look forward to talking to my sweet daughter who's severely autistic now but will one day be made whole. I can't wait to hear what this life was really like through her eyes. What is heaven? This one really got me. I guess I've just never thought about this before. Because Jesus has conquered my shame and forgiven my sin. I will one day meet the baby I aborted. I hope I'm able to hold him in my arms and love him like I should have here on earth. Thank God for his forgiveness in my life. It's mind-boggling to really think about the reality of eternity as we will know it one day in heaven. Recently I heard of an elderly lady who knew that she was coming very near to the conclusion of her life. Her confidence in the Lord was extremely strong. In preparation for her own funeral, she told her pastor what verses she wanted him to read, what songs she would want everybody to sing, and she made a very unusual request. She said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. <laughs> to which the pastor's face looked quite surprised. She said, let me explain. When I was a child, we went to all kinds of socials and formal dinners. And I just remember as a child, invariably, when they would come and remove the dishes from the main meal, some adult sitting near me would lean over and remind me, don't forget to keep your fork. She said, it was my favorite part of the meal because 
no matter how good the meal had been, and even though it felt like the meal was over, the best was yet to come. Velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie. I'm gaining weight just talking about it. Just when you thought it was over, the best was yet to come. When people see me holding my fork, she said, they're going to say, Pastor, what's with the lady's fork? She said, I want you to tell them, keep your fork. When it looks like this life is over, the best is yet to come. If you'll reach into the seat back in front of you, you'll find a fork. And on the front row, we're passing them down for you. We prepared these to be able to distribute them to you today. So that over the course of maybe the next week or two weeks, you'll put this fork somewhere to be reminded. Folks, this life is really not about this life. It's about something so much more. And if you live your life as if this is the life that you're living for, you're going to miss out on what really matters in the scope of eternity. The big question today as we look at this verse, John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons and daughters of God. The big question is, have you received Christ? I didn't say, do you go to church? I didn't say, do you believe in God? I said, have you stopped withholding your heart where all of your affection either belongs to him or you've withheld it to make decisions on your own aside from what he reveals in his word you know in the Bible it's interesting to me but God says to Adam in the garden when when Adam sinned against God. This is where it all began. This is why we need a Savior, because Adam and Eve sinned. Jesus, the second Adam, came to redeem and restore us. God said these interesting words to Adam in the garden. Adam, where are you? It's a funny thing. How you know God knows everything? God not only knew where Adam was, he knew every hair on his head. He had him numbered. Like, he knows that much about every one of us. He said, Adam, where are you? God didn't ask Adam, Adam, where are you? Because God needed to know where Adam was. God asked Adam, Adam, where are you? Because Adam needed to know where Adam was. And I'm asking you, where are you? Where's your heart before the Lord your God? Come on, just close your eyes, open your heart. Just evaluate this question. Where are you? Not have you had religious tendencies, do you have religious beliefs? Have you stopped withholding your heart from God and surrendered truly to the cross of Jesus Christ and allowed him to come and redeem your life and start to walk you through the process of becoming everything he's ever designed you to become? 
Are you there? Jesus, you're in the room. Speak to us. Help us to know where we are. That we might respond to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's all just stand to our feet. Most of us would never deny Christ. But when we allow our own conclusions and opinions to take control of our decisions, we dethrone him by putting something else on the center of our lives. Again, just let this just be personal. Just eyes closed. I'm, I'm not trying to pull some big, you know, embarrassing thing. I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Lord right now. This really isn't even what I had uh, determined that I would do in conclusion, but I just want to be sensitive to him. He is here and he is at work. So just with your eyes closed, just in your own way, if you, if you say, I identify with that, maybe you've denied him, I don't know, but, but at least you say, I know there's an area of my life I've dethroned him. Whether you need to give your life to Christ for the first time today or you need to return to the cross of Christ in the way you're living in a particular area of your life, just with nobody else looking around, would you just, in a gentle posture of surrender, just, just lift your hands kind of shoulder high and surrender to him. We just want to join together in a posture of surrender as we invite the Lord Jesus Christ to have his way. Father, you know our hearts. You see our hands. And your word says that if we're willing to confess our faults to each other, you actually bring healing into our lives. You begin to redeem us in amazing and wonderful ways. So Lord, would you restore and redeem us as we renew our surrender to walk in your example with full confidence. The best is yet to come. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, in declaration, Jesus is Lord. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Would you join me? He is Lord. We want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ today. In the name of Jesus. You know, our, somewhere along the journey, we determined that rather than just coming together for a nice little speech and dismissal and a charge, uh, we really want to encounter the Lord on a deeper level. And so part of what we do, and I want to invite you just to be just a few more moments. We're going to go back into worship just for a few moments. I find myself every week almost having to justify, you know, please don't run out. The show's not over. Encounter him like Take, this, take just a few moments and really bring what he's stirred in your heart. Just give it back to him. We're not going to take a long time, but, but we want to just give that back to him. And in this time, I would encourage you, our, we've got prayer teams and our elders are going to be together right back here under lights uh, in, the, in the back part of the auditorium. We, there's communion right here in the center. It's available every single week. 
during this time of worship, if you'd like to go and just receive communion. You may notice we didn't talk about offerings because we don't pass buckets. We want you to really worship with your giving. We want that to be something deeper from your heart. And so you'll find giving stations at the back or you can give online. This might be a good time for you to do that as we just enter into worship. But what we want to do is just bring a heart of worship to the Lord our God. If there's anything we can pray for you about online, if you'll post that in the comment section, let us know. We just want to agree that Jesus would really have his way in every one of our hearts. So come on, let's press in just for a few moments of worship before we're dismissed to be released.